We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I am the captivating, motivating, tentilating, and money-making Dr. Carl Bourne Jr. And we got my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching in the building. Paul, say what's up to the people. What's up to the people? Forget me. Y'all heard Carl drop the doctor in front of his name. Listen, to the listeners, welcome to the first episode of 2022 with the one and only Dr. Carl Bourne Jr. But he and I are not the highlight of the show. I'm going to let him introduce, but I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really, really hyped for this one. Yes, sir. <laughs> Appreciate you, bro. It, it, felt, it felt different, actually. Felt, feels good. Felt pretty empowering. Um, but as always, guys, you know how we like to do on OTC. We love to bring you amazing guests that upgrade your business, your life, your brand. You name it, we got it. And this week is no exception, man. I'm very excited. We have another doctor in the building that is going to drop some gems today for us. So our guest today is a wife to her husband, Brett, and a mother to her wild and crazy three boys. She's known as one of the industry-leading pelvic floor dysfunction teachers, passionate about her family, spending time with her husband and kids, health and fitness, 90s and 2000s hip hop, that was a good era. Baking cookies, <laughs> gardening, bike riding, personal growth journeys, and mojitos. I love me a good mojito every now and then. Um, she is literally shifting the industry with her continuous viral videos addressing pelvic floor dysfunction. She is the face of the brand empowering your pelvis. None other than Dr. Amanda Fisher. <laughs> Yes, thank sir. you for that. Of course, thank that you. That was incredible. I feel like I, I should be running down a hallway right now, like high fiving. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Thank you. It's Absolutely. wonderful to be here, especially after that. I really do. I feel like I'm now like a, on cloud nine and feeling fantastic. Well, good. That's how we like to bring you into the show. So we like to be respectful of your time. With that being said, we always want to start with the why, right? Because a lot of who we are, a lot of what we do stems from the why, you know, and, and Simon Sinek said it best, start with your why. So with that being said, tell us, why did you choose to pursue the field of physical therapy? I went into physical therapy because like most people who go into PT, you have some kind of injury, right? So I was an athlete in high school or my whole childhood and playing basketball, volleyball, and running track. I had a ton of ankle injuries or wrist injuries, broken fingers, which I guess you don't go to PT for, but a lot of different things, knees um, that took me into PT. So I felt like I was constantly there probably every season and then went off to just, um, I did my undergrad at the university of Missouri. So Mizzou. And while there, on any kind of spring break, Christmas break, or summer breaks, I would fill in as a PT tech. 
And luckily my, I'm from a small town. So in a small town PT clinic, you treat your friends and family. And then if you don't know them, you find out that your cousin's with them. Like it's very much a small town farm community. And so I really loved just being able to help people and get them back to doing what they love to do. So that's what led me down the, the PT route. We got to go a little bit deeper because we know it's not just PT, right? Mm-hmm. It's women's health, pelvic floor. Right. Talk to us a little bit about that. What was, what was the transition into that and you know what was the what was the thing what was the light bulb that went off in your head that was like you know what I think I could I could start a business with this and I think I might be pretty darn good at it yeah so that's going to be pretty detailed (laughs) um while in PT school I ended up planning a wedding you're in PT school my parents got divorced um I grew up with an alcoholic father and I got married. So dealing, um, you know, you're dealing with intimacy with your, my new partner and realizing like, okay, this is not at the time, everything you, I was in magazines, nothing was really blogged yet. This is like 2008, 2009 and started having pain with intercourse. And I thought, well, this isn't a, this shouldn't be happening. Right. Cosmopolitan telling me I should be having fireworks and orgasms and it should be fine. And I went to my doctor. She said, have a couple glasses of wine, Amanda. You just need to relax. I'm like, I didn't, this was never an issue before. What's going on? So I tried that method. Sloppy Amanda is not good for intimacy. So that didn't really help anything. So we started down the path of wondering like, what else is going on? And at that time, I was also training for about six half marathons a year. So that like all of these, now that I look back and I'm doing my job in a PT clinic or a pelvic clinic, I realized like I had so many factors leading me down the pelvic pain realm. Um, And I was peeing my pants while training for these six half marathons. And so in PT school, we have this thing called um, like a student conclave that you can go to. See, yes. And while at that, they were, you had at our Rockhurst universities where I did PT school, everybody had to be present at the geriatrics, the orthopedics, uh, the women's health, the pediatrics, like somebody had to be at each one. And I got through the short straw for the women's health one at the time. It was still women's health. It wasn't pelvic health. And I went to this course at 8 AM in the morning which we had been out drinking beers the night before. And so me and another classmate got pulled to this 8 a.m. class, which you don't want to do when you're out late with your, your classmates. And we went and I sat in there and it was all about like pain with sex, peeing your pants, all the things I was dealing with. And I literally sat in that chair going, I think, I feel like they're talking about me. Like, did I get interviewed for this? Was I a subject? And I left there and ended up emailing like every professor to figure out like, is this a thing? Like we don't, we aren't learning this in my school. This isn't a, um, an elective at Rockhurst. And again, this was 2009. Um, I ended up graduating in 2011, but between that time, I found out that the APTA and Herman and Wallace were the two biggest um, places that you could take continuing education on public health. So I told my husband, Hey, it's Christmas break. I'm going to go out to Chicago and take this continuing education course. I just want to see if it's a thing that I might be interested in. And so I went out there, not even realizing they did an internal pelvic exam and you get like 36 of these exams, by the way, in a continuing ed class. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I kind of everything we were learning about there, I was like, well, gosh, I haven't had babies yet. And I've heard my patients say all these things are things that you have after you have kids. 
but I was experiencing these issues before having children. So after I came back, um, I started going on my first and second clinicals through PT school. And then I had a lot of male um, clinical instructors. So while they would ask the questions, I would ask the female side and like, are you peeing your pants? Are you having any pressure down there? Are you having pain with sex? Cause I just felt a calling from God to kind of like, kind of urge me in that direction. And I was gone away on a clinical about four hours away from my husband. And I remember talking it through with him and he's like, you know what, just pray about it. So I prayed about it. And I felt like that was the biggest push I could get, um, was I had like 47 patients in a week, or I guess two weeks come up and ask me some kind of pelvic health question without me being the one to start it. And I thought, okay, that's a sign. So then I graduated in 2011. I ended up joining an orthopedic um, clinic who didn't really, wasn't hiring at the time, but I convinced them, let me start your women's health program. So I did. And I did that until um, I was there probably four and a half years and then left to go specialize at just a pelvic PT clinic developed some more skills, went to corporate, um, through a hospital, realized my voice wasn't getting heard there the way I felt like it needed to. And so I left corporate, um, and found out I was two weeks pregnant with our third kiddo at that point, but I had already started doing online stuff uh, or started building my practice online, like the website and reaching out to docs. And yeah, so I started, um, empower your pelvis while pregnant with our, our third baby boy. And that was super hard. <laughs> I wouldn't really recommend that for anybody. And, uh, but it was, it just, I don't know, felt like the right thing to do. There's been lots of bumps, but I feel like it's always, I don't know. We're always finding, we pivot, we pivot, we pivot. We've been pivoting nonstop and it's all ended up fine in the end. I guess it's not end. It's so far. I have so many questions. <laughs> can, Fire away. Here's the thing. Can can we just be transparent throughout this entire show? Is that okay? Yeah. Because I have so many questions. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I feel like we're about to have a conversation that we've never had on this podcast before. And so I think it's necessary to preface that to let the listeners know like it's about to get real with some of the things we're about to figure out here. And we also I also want to kind of go back into because I know at the same time that you started. And correct me if I'm wrong, but at some point you had to start your business in a really particular place. Yeah. I feel like most people aren't even, how do I say, like, they don't have the guts to be like, I'm going to start right here. So kind of <laughs> talk to the people a little bit about that, how you yeah. even had to start your business and what that physically looked like. Um, so I think you're talking about the online piece. If I am thinking, okay. Um, so we, I delivered my third baby. We ended up having to be in the NICU and at the time, I don't know. I was like seven and a half months pregnant. Again, I have two kids under the age of three at home while I'm pregnant with our third. And I just felt this calling to write an ebook. I mean, I write an ebook about pregnancy, write an ebook about what happens to the body, what changes happen after birth. And I ended up calling it body after birth. Um, at that time I had had some friends who had had stillbirth. So I didn't feel like I wanted to call it body after baby because I just, I didn't, it wasn't, it didn't feel good for me. Um, and I felt like those women who have still, um, had miscarriages still needed to take care of their body as well. And I ended up launching it from the NICU because what else are you going to do in the NICU? And I, my thought was, I was going to give it a few, a few more weeks, but I was sitting there and just, again, felt called to do it. So while sitting in the recliner in the NICU, I just kind of hit launch and let it fly. Um, and this is the end of December because we were in there up until about Christmas Eve. And then I relaunched it as like an on-sale item on New Year's Eve, but that was 
it's what needed to be done at the time. It was my maternity leave. I was a small, I am a small business owner. You don't have maternity leave. And that was my saving grace. Like at seven and a half months pregnant, this is what I'm going to do to help offset the cost of having nothing come in. Cause I don't have vacation benefits. I didn't have anything saved up for maternity leave, except for this book was going to help me do it. And so it did, it, it allowed us to, allowed me to have, um, I think eight weeks of maternity leave. And then I still, which we know in a small business, you're not really at home for eight weeks. You're constantly getting referrals, calling patients, like taking care of the back end, which I still did from the NICU. Um, one of my favorite gynecologists, Obi Gynes, he even in the hallway was like, snuck his head in one day like, Fisher, when are you guys coming back so you can treat our patients? And I was like, are you kidding me? And he was totally joking, but I'm like, they can buy the, they can buy my ebook. That's where they can start. So I'm like selling it in the hospital. Um, but that was, it was a lot of fun. It was a learning, learning experience. Um, it was a PDF. I sent it out via email. Everything was done via Gmail at that time, because I didn't, I didn't know how to work MailChimp. I still don't know how to work ConvertKit because that's what we use now. It's I'm constantly learning. I'm not tech savvy. So it's, um, it works though. It works and people, thankfully, um, stick with me. <laughs> All right. So here, here then comes a question because I think it's important to even talk about what, what success habits look like, right? So I think there's a certain amount of like, I'm not even going to call it grit. I'm going to call it more just determination where you're sitting there in the NICU. And I have a friend who's like literally doing his residency in the NICU at this moment. And oh every God. day he's like, it is just a place of like, it takes a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I say that just to kind of set the mental standard that you had to be at where you're like, this is going on, but I still got to be able to execute and get results quickly, right? Mm -hmm. So let's kind of talk about a little bit about what some of your success habits really look like. And if you want to give us like your top three, top four, go right ahead. But what do those success habits look like? And what allowed for you to be able to develop them to be so just concrete? I think they've evolved over the last four and a half years that I've had the business. And I had to start small because when I started originally, I tried doing like 10 things to be, you know, what everybody said was successful. And I realized I had to accomplish one small one first, which for me was like waking up early in the morning. That's a non-negotiable for me. And I had to, I had to work at that. So it was like 6am for a week, then became 545, 530. Um, for a while I was crazy and would get up at like 345 just to knock out a good chunk of the business side, but then realized um this year that my health couldn't handle that. My hormones took a really deep dive. So now I've I'm more at a five, five a.m. type of girl. I get up, I don't check my phone anymore. I will go down, get our dog, we go for a walk. So exercise now is my second one. I have to exercise because if I don't. Before my kids wake up or it's the end of the day, life has happened and it's going to, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to have that time for myself. So it's the waking up early. It's the exercise. It's my, um, my it's, I call it journaling. Um, I use GT's journal. So I'm going through his journal, but then I kind of mix in my own stuff with that. Um, and then my reading, I tend to, that's another habit I do. I was not a big reader. I didn't see, oh, uh, I guess the benefit in it, which I hate to say that, like my blinders were on. And now I realize, like, oh my gosh, I need to be reading minimum 10 pages every day. So that's another one, but that's usually my go to bed, my downtime. I used to be on my phone and TV late at night. 
now for me, if I'm going to be like usually up past seven, I'm going to have blue light glasses on if I have to be on my phone to finish up emails for patients or it's shut it down. And that's when we get the books um, and books, me and my husband, I have turned him into a reader now, and he's now getting up with me nice and early. He goes to the basement. I take the dog out. It's fun. It's fun. Cause now he's, I never thought it would be like this, but he's now seeing like, Hey, this is, this is what leveling up is for you what would happen if I do it in my life too? So, um, yeah, those are our, our little non-negotiables. Um, this year, probably when I started working on my health too, I'm, I hate to admit this, but with COVID, like I was teaching kindergarten and preschool at home virtually, but then the clinic opened back up and I felt like I had to save the clinic. So I hate to say this because I do believe there's not, there's not a work-life balance for me, I feel like as a mom, I feel like it's constant juggling, but I had to put my family on the back burner, which I never want to do again to try to save the clinic and to help the clinic grow and to kind of continue to pivot to feel like where we figure out where we were going. And I never want to do that again. So another non-negotiable now is I have boundaries with patient hours. I was before that getting up, bringing my kids in for a 6.30 patient in the morning and they would sit in my conference room and eat breakfast and color and maybe watch something just to keep them out of a room where I was doing an internal pelvic exam. And then I would rush back and do three different drop-offs and come back to the clinic. So I was seeing patients like 6.30, 7 a.m. in the morning till 7, 8 p.m. at night, depending on how to fit it into my schedule, especially with a traveling husband. And it that like drains you. So that was when it was like, okay, we've got to change it up with the habits or I'm going to spiral down fast and be burnt out. Not saying burnt out still hasn't happened in this last two years with COVID, but it, the, the habits help tremendously. That was a lot. I'm sorry. No, no, that's, that, that's perfect because, (laughs) because the, the, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things with our show is we don't want it to just be this is my business. This is all the success I had. This is how much money I made. Like, because people have to understand that the entrepreneur life is not an easy life. Like, no. And that's what I feel like a lot of people think is like, oh, you own a business. Like, oh, you know, you must make a lot of money. No, that doesn't typically happen. And you hustle your butt off non-stop. There are days where I might back off a little bit and there are times over Christmas break where I have really not done much. Um, but I've learned where I need to plant time for the business. And then when I need to cut off, but it's taken me four and a half years and I'm not saying I'm doing it right or have done it right. But, um, if you don't keep your habits in line and keep what matters to you most. And for me is my family, you can really see what can start to change when, you know, that's not, your forefront. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. You know, and you, you said something earlier that I, I, I have to ask because I don't know if, if, if you can tell, but I'm, I'm sort of a bookworm myself. Yes. And, uh, I actually, I actually told Paul that I just bought a new book right before the episode. I was at Barnes and Noble. Oh. And, uh, I ended up grabbing this read right here. The magic I of read that one yet. So that's, that's uh, one of my reads for January. My goal is to do 12 to 24 new books this year. So one to two books a month. That's um, number and that's I have crazy. to ask you, just like from a standpoint of like the business and where you are now, what would you say has been the most 
influential book that you've read and why? Hmm. If you I don't know why. One, if you can't think of one. I've got one in my head right now, but it's, it's really making me, it's more of a money mindset. And you guys have probably, it, it's a uh, rich dad, poor dad, because I grew up in a small town. I don't want to say we were poor, but it was the poor mindset in that book. If you've read the book on the financial, like you make money, you spend the money and realizing right now, cause my husband has done, has read it. And I am currently going through it again and realizing like, Ooh, this is not the way I was raised. And I have to rewire, especially the business side. Like, okay, just because we made that this month doesn't mean we can go buy a new barbell or, you know, new equipment. Like let's figure out where else we can maybe put that to into another asset to help us continue to grow the business. Because like in four years, our lease is up in this place. We just moved in here in February and I would love to buy our own place. So then we have that real estate underneath. So that, I don't know why that, that book is in my mind. I will preface this. I am not a read one book at a time girl and it drives my husband crazy. So I have that one. I have the high five habit open currently. Uh, I've got oversubscribed. So I've got three different books going on, but the rich dad, poor dad is the one that came to mind. No, that's, that's okay. Because besides this book is my second read for this month the other book I'm reading is a 22 immutable laws of marketing Mm. and the thing is I always I always look at it like if we're on Netflix or Hulu or something like that like we watch multiple shows so exactly what I told my husband (laughs) right that was my justification of why I have three books (laughs) (laughs) that's spot on you know right um so that someone else thinks it like that too yeah of course of course so with that being said kind of transitioning a little bit now what would you say because again like we we like to kind of show the nitty-gritty side of things as well right and and people need to see the good the bad the ugly what would you say or tell us about the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome in your business to when you actually started to see success? I would, in the beginning, because I started in 2017, in the beginning, it was, you know, making people realize, number one, what pelvic floor physical therapy was and why it's needed. And not just the elderly population. I really, I'm a cesarean mom three times. And I really wanted to get out to the gynecology, the urology people, um, that this was an issue. So I was maybe not getting as much support at that time from the docs. It was building up. It was a work in progress. And now we're, we're really supported. Um, but, and then it was going out in like, okay, if I'm not going to get support here because I didn't take insurance at that time, then I'm going to go to where the people are. Where can I find moms? coffee shops, um, baby stores, um, mommy groups. And I just went in wholeheartedly. I started working out at different gyms on their free days. I started leaving my cards there. Um, I really, I felt like I was doing that, trying to get my face out there in business cards as much as I could, and then just planting seeds. And I feel like I've done a lot of that. And I continue to do that now in 2022, because I've seen them really grow into something with doing that. So a lot of our, 
PTs that come out of school and it could be totally different right now for you, Carl, but when they come out, what I'm finding with our docs is like, they need to go, they all want to go to the referral sources. I want to go, you know, take things there. I want to go daycares, um, the parks again, where are my moms at that my clients that I want to bring them in spas, um, anyone that wants to spend a little extra money to take care of themselves. So what's nice now too, is we have social media. So that's a whole nother ball game of how can we get out in front of people with social media too. So that has been a challenge again, in the beginning, there was no Instagram when I started really getting diving into pelvic PT, it was around in 2017, but I was getting backlash in the beginning of like, you shouldn't be posting this stuff on social media. Nobody needs to hear about this. Um, and in the beginning I would take things down and my husband would be like, Yemi, why are you doing that? Just keep it up. It's going to help somebody. And so I stuck with it and I was doing posts at the time. I stink at posts on Instagram. It is not my jam. I am not a writer. I would much rather be on the video side. Thank gosh, reels came out. It was a blessing in disguise because that's how my brain works. I, I used to joke, like I've got a musical in my head. I feel like all day, if somebody says a phrase, I'm going to jam out with a song to it because that's what I hear in my head is like a line from a song. And then I'll, I'll say it. My husband and I will have conversations like this and it's ridiculous where you'll get it, but he's a, he's a nineties hip hop kid too. So if there's something in there, yeah, it's, it's weird being in our house, <laughs> but when reels came out, that became very relatable to me of like, I can hear a song. How can I turn that into pelvic health? Maybe make it a little funny, get people's attention. And then they could start learning about like, Hey, I have that. Well, shoot. I didn't know this was a thing. I can go get help and improve it. Fantastic. I'm going to do that. And so that's where I guess that, that side really kind of took off. Well, let's kind of talk a little bit about the social media side of things. I mean, since, yeah. since we already, um, because you're right, you know, I think a lot of people when they come out of school, especially in PT, they run to the referral source side of things. Like, let me go find the person with the people and, and hopefully they'll feed me and then, then I'll be good. But yeah. for you, you took a totally different path. And for social media, I think that's one of those things that is not hard to understand, but it's very difficult to execute on. Meaning being able to get your message across very clearly to the point where you evoke emotion. You know, I've low-key, okay, so low-key, I've gone through some of your comments on your videos. And I see people with like extremely strong opinions and I'm like, this is insane. I wish like more people could do this stuff. Cause that means people are literally thinking about what you're saying and they choose to like voice it. And I'm like, that's dope. No matter how many negative or positive <laughs> comments, that's dope to me. So let's kind of talk about that social media side of things, especially when you use that to be like, let me teach and let me get across to people. What have you seen to be like, the most effective ways. So let, let's help the people out a little bit. What have you seen to be the most effective ways to literally get people to understand what you're talking about and evoke that emotion? Because like you said, when you post, like you have to be like Shakespeare, like Carl to get people to feel something. But most people are just like, here's a picture of the sunset. <laughs> it's a beautiful day. So what, what's your strategy? How do you get behind it and say like, this is what I'm doing to get people to feel something? Um, I wish I could say I plan it out because that's what I hear a lot of like, I don't know, good business people do, but my brain doesn't work that way. I'm not creative in that way. So mine is really like what's happening today, or maybe something happened last night. It honestly, here's my secret. What's on XM radio. 
Sirius XM, what song is playing? And then I will sit there while I'm driving and I'm like, oh, why have I never heard this line before? Okay, I'm going to take a picture of it. I take a picture with my phone so I can look back at it when I get home or the kids have gone to bed and I can think of what line was it in the song? Okay, what was I planning? And I, or if I'm at a stop sign, I will put that in the notes section on my phone and write in like the song under pressure. And like, what do I want to do with the song under pressure? I want to talk about public work and prolapse because that's pressure down there. I might want to talk the pressure system with the diaphragm in the public floor. And then when I get into the clinic or I feel like creative time during the day, even at my house, I will shoot that video. I have found most of our videos that are a little bit shorter in length, or they tell a story do better. People like stories. Um, but I shot a video last week with my husband in the freezing rain. I thought it was going to be fantastic. And it really didn't go as well as I thought it would. And I had him get his leaf blower out and like blow my hair. And I thought my face was going to go crazy like this. And it really didn't get as high. It had a ton of comments. So I'm like, there, maybe there's something up with Instagram, but it didn't take off as well as I thought. But I, and we told a story with that song, but it was longer. So I still feel like the shorter ones do better. Um, sometimes we have a surprise guest. We have a blow up doll in our clinic. We bought it because we have a course called empowered in the bedroom to help people who are dealing with pain with intercourse. So we have this blow up doll. It has Travis Kelsey's face on it. Cause at the time, um, the chiefs were in the super bowl last year. So we were like, of course we can do a video with Travis Kelsey on it. People will love it. And he's just been Travis Kelsey ever since I'm looking at him right now. He's always watching me. And um, so he makes appearances and people go crazy over this blow up doll. And we, I literally, the first three times we posted it, I'm like, we're going to get kicked off Instagram. What do we do when we get kicked off Instagram? And um, he has gotten kicked off TikTok twice. So I'm kind of treading, treading water on TikTok lightly right now. Um, but yeah, it's, the, we've got this fluffy pink vulva that I use for demonstration. It's about the size of my torso. Um, and people will ask like, where did you get that? Who, you know, our front office, our, um, admin lady, I had her sew it for Halloween for us. It's a Halloween costume that we did for COVID and we pull it out in a lot of our videos. I think people, because it's in such an area that we don't typically look at, or we don't, maybe we can't see with our own eyes. People like props to understand the story better and to understand what we're talking about. So I try to keep it like, here's a flashy pink vulva. Here's the blow up doll. Boom, 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 boom. Here's the information. And we're out. Um, and those do well or really good songs. I don't know. I threw a Nelly a couple of weeks ago. That one did well. Um, one that the most controversial one I think was, Olivia Rodriguez, um, good for you song. And I just talked about like my husband, we had a baby. He feels fine and can work out the day after the baby. And here I'm dealing with boom, 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 boom. And that lit up the male population. I mean, we got more comments from males, I think on that video. And I'm like, you're only helping the algorithm. So keep it coming. And I loved it. It just took off. Um, but that was probably the first one where I felt it like negatively, and I had never had that really draw me down. And I was in a funk after that. And then realizing like, get out, this is stupid. These people don't know you. This is fine. Again, it only helped the situation and really helped a lot of C-section moms realize there's a lot of issues we can deal with. Now that we're talking a little bit about, or you mentioned the men, the men that were in the comments hating. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because 
one of the one of the big things that I see in PT is that there is this preconceived thought and perspective that when it comes to pelvic health, like that's strictly for women, like that has nothing to do with men. Um, and that's why it's called women's health, like, right? That's the thing. But you know, and I know that there are a lot of benefits that are in pelvic PT for men. Absolutely. Um, I've never seen, maybe there is one. I haven't seen it with my own eyes though, but I've never seen a pelvic PT male. I haven't seen that before. There are a um, few. Okay. Okay. There's a couple. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, what would you say are the top three myths or misconceptions that you have heard as far as men in pelvic PT and how can you kind of debunk those for the men listening that's like this doesn't even apply to me I think that is one where males don't have pelvic floors male we all have a pelvic floor everyone has a pelvic floor the anatomy just shifts a little bit but we still have the same issues that happen I think that's the first one the second one would be um a lot of times patients, if they hear we treat males, they think that we treat the elderly population, just males who have been through a prostatectomy and who are dealing with leakage afterwards. And th so that's a misconception because we see a lot of the younger population as well. We tend to see more, um, maybe our men in our mid to late twenties up to our forties who are dealing with like scrotal pain, um, tailbone pain, um, pain with erection or pain with orgasm as well. And Again, we treat them very similarly to our females. And it's, again, they're the same muscles. A couple of them are just named a little differently because the genitalia is slightly different. So that is really all. Um, our population now is probably 30% male in our clinic. I wish it was higher. We um, we're in the Midwest, so we're in Kansas city. So it's a little bit, it's been a little bit more, it's been tougher to get the Euro, Euro, sorry, um, urology department on board with pelvic floor physical therapy, but they're really starting to open their eyes up into it a little bit more. I can't believe I'm about to say this on the show. So, and this is to, to the men listening to this. I just need y'all to know how real this is and what she just said, because uh, my fiance, she's been doing her pelvic floor certifications and stuff like that. And me being the only person around her, she uses me as like, you know, practice. And come to find out that men can present with the same exact symptoms as pregnant women. Yeah. And so for me, that process was kind of like learning like, holy crap. Oh, I got to care about my pillow floor too. And so like, we've been doing adjustments in the gym and doing different things. And so like, that's a very real thing because I think a lot of guys like, you know, it's just the field of pelvic floor physical therapy is like, it's just, it's been geared so hard to like where Carl said I've never actually seen another man that's a pelvic floor PT. So to hear that they're there is just like mind-blowing. Yeah. But let me ask this question then. If you were to find a way to expand it to the guys because they're just out there hating and they don't understand, really, what would be your process then to kind of expand the field and get more men to understand that they need to see a specialist, they need to see a therapist about theirs because... We're only getting older. And I know. Things, 
things can stop working. I think we're going to have to shoot out a couple reels with Travis here and figure out how to tap into the male population a little bit more. We've been told to do that too. We have our, our guys that come in are like, all your videos are geared towards pregnant and postpartum. If you could add in some other ones, I'm like, well, you guys have the little back pain. You have the tailbone. Um, but yeah, we've just been pushing the prenatal postpartum population because I, I feel like, you know, we need to be looking at that population a little bit better than we are, which I, it's huge, huge change in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, we, we could do better with our reels for our meals for sure. So I have a, I'm sorry, Paul. I have a, uh, this is more of a fun question. Um, in terms of if you had, if you had to prescribe, I like, I like this. I feel like we're getting like coached up too. If you had to prescribe or say like, what's your top three favorite exercises for the pelvic floor would be that you give to your male patients? What would you say? Like, what would you say? Like these top three are like my go-tos. Okay. So majority of our males that are coming in with pelvic pain, a lot of them are forgetting the stretching or the mobility side of the muscles. So maybe they sit and are working from home a lot, right? And then maybe they go to the gym and they're just working the muscles and they're not really doing eccentric loading. We're just like more bulking up the tissue, right? Um, and then maybe they come home, they sit to eat dinner, maybe they ride in their car all day. Like there's a lot of posterior pelvic tilt, a lot of butt tucking positions. So anything that we can really get them out of that, um, we find a lot of times really getting them into more like lumbar extension. So maybe like the bird dog, maybe a, this isn't lumbar extension, but a deep squat to really open up the pelvic floor or a frog stretch. Um, them even using a squatty potty for bowel movements is huge. and can help their pelvic floor relax. It's again, really treating them the same way. Um, but so often when they're coming in, experiencing those pain tailbone, a lot of it is more just the pelvic floor wants to be high and tight and then getting their breath to really come in and work with it too. your diaphragm or every time you breathe, when you breathe in, it lengthens the pelvic floor. When you breathe out that pelvic floor recoils. And a lot of times if they're in stressful situations, so if you're thinking like financial advisors, firemen, police officers, like they're really nice and tight in the chest and their upper chest breathers, because their jobs are really fast paced or really stressful. We need to teach them to breathe down into their pelvic floor again, too, and using their breath as a tool to really lengthen the tissue and make it work for them. Um, and then hip mobility is another big one that we, we just see a lot of tightness there too. You ever had somebody just tell you everything wrong with you <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> you just described everything. I'm about to do some stretching after the episode. No, actually, let, and let me, let me ask you sure. just because it's like, it's actually something I continuously think about and people look at me funny in the gym, but I've stopped caring, but I've noticed a lot of guys can't actually deep squat. Like they can't stand and straight up squat to the ground without falling over and all that stuff. And so that really speaks to the fact of like, it's only to your benefit. You know, I think a lot of like athletes, especially in college, their trainers will work on them. I saw a video earlier today of a, like a team of 30 guys just struggling to do, what do they call 90-90s? Oh yeah, that's that's our hip mobility. I love struggling those. to do that thing just because of how tight it gets in there. So 
that's that's a very real thing um guys y'all need to figure that out expeditiously because and it's no the deep squat stretch i mean it looks it's funny because when you do it in the gym i always do it before i start lifting i might do it during lifts so i know to prevent pelvic issues i might need to relax it back down and then i always end with a, a stretch so whether it's the hip 9090 or just another deep squat but people will be like is your back okay are you you're stretching your back and I, uh-huh yep <laughs> but like if you know me i'm like no i'm getting my pelvic floor to get its full range of motion so it can benefit me with my next lift that's what i'm really doing i'm trying to get everything to reset and not go high and tight but yeah more people if more people could do that more often you'll start to see the change where maybe they can get their heels down or they can sit into that deep squat or they can start to push it out with their elbows too and not need, you know, the squat rack to hold on to. But there's nothing wrong with that. They can hold onto the squat rack too and do it. There's no place for pride in the gym. Um, and there's no place for pride in the pelvic floor. <laughs> Let me ask you this question then. Let's talk about, now we kind of talked about what your three success habits are, but I kind of want to gear it back. Actually, let me let me ask you this question because I think it's important for us to also kind of highlight the not so pretty section of being an entrepreneur. But when we say, well, what are your thoughts when people say they're self-made? You know, like I did it. It was all me. How do you feel about that? Um, I I would find that hard to believe, you know. Um there have been I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do this by myself. Um, cause that you make so many connections when you're building. And I feel like your connection with someone else builds off another connection, which really starts to bring you up the ladder and really starts to change your business. Um, I always, like, I lead this back, you know, Greg, Todd, Paul, and had it not been for Kelly Alhui on me and her kind of connecting on Instagram, I would not have been made a connection with Greg Todd. And so like, that's just like the business side of it. When it comes to even patients that I've had, it's like a patient will come in and then they'll refer me on or refer our business on or a program on to someone else. So it's definitely, it takes, it takes a whole group of people to get you. I feel like anywhere, or you're going to be your ship. I feel like going to be sinking in some area. You really need everybody to kind of keep everything afloat. So I want to ask this question now because we can't let you go without also kind of educating the people that are thinking like, I might want to do this pelvic PT thing, right? Our, our clinicians or our new grads that are listening and they're like, this sounds like something I might be interested in doing. Um, from, a, from a business and logis uh, logistical standpoint, how much capital would you say someone needs to save or they should have before they go into opening a practice? And what were some of the things that you kind of did to be more on the cost efficient side of things? That's good. Um, I remember writing this down to figure out like, would I even be able to open, you know? Um, I went out to PT clinics and asked if they had an extra room that they could rent space and then I had backup gyms that I was also going in and begging to let me use a closet. I ended up working out of a closet in a PT clinic from an old boss who they weren't going to do public health. And he was like, sure, you can have all our public, any public health client in here, as long as you don't take like a shoulder or any, I was like, done. I hadn't seen enough of those. 
And then cost-effective for pelvic PT, you need lube. And at the time, lube companies were handing out free samples left and right for pelvic PTs because there weren't very many of us. So lube was free. So that was nice. I found on Facebook Marketplace a massage table for 50 bucks that would fold up and I could put it in my car because I was originally starting while trying to find a room. I was going to people's homes doing PT. And this table was so heavy, um, but it worked. And I still have it to this day here in the clinic, just as a reminder, but in case we need it, but that was first table, $50 lube was free gloves at the time were like five bucks a box with COVID they've jumped up a lot more than that. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a whole lot of money website. I think all in with like online stuff and the lube and the gloves and the table, it was just under two, two grand. It wasn't bad. And rent that was part of rent. So very minimal, not a lot out of pocket at the time. It felt like a ton of money, but now looking back, it's like, geez, I would have, I would pay for that <laughs> all over again. Oops. Sorry. I covered my mic. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for that. We, um, we normally do a segment on the show, but I feel like you already kind of sticking that away for us today. We normally do a segment that's like our uh, black health segment where we kind of like go over like something um that's like a health condition or impairment that is prevalent in the african-american community and um i honestly feel like today's black health segment was legit everything that you just said with the exercises you know like those those are key things you know like and and i think i think a lot of us men don't think about that stuff right like we think like we're going to go in the gym and we want to work on our biceps we want to work on our quads you know what I'm saying we want to work on our our hammies you know but we forget about the other musculature that needs to be worked on you know like our pelvic floor you know and I've even seen like in the gym and I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna lie before PT school I was one of those guys where <laughs> I would see a guy like on the uh, on the adductor and abductor machine, like just opening their legs and closing their legs. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like, <laughs> like that, that, that is for, for women, you know, like, but now I, you know, I've seen the light. I'm a DPT. So I understand, you know, um, but I think it's something that definitely needs a lot more, uh, conversation you know I think more men should be aware of this because I think another big thing is that when things do happen and things do go wrong as a man like it's very prideful you know like we can be very prideful and it's like uh like I don't want to talk to anybody about that you know or like I don't want to bring that up or, or whatever the case may be so um what you're doing what you're doing in our PT space is amazing, you know, and we are just beyond grateful that you were able to hop on here and spend some time with us. So thank you. Thank you for that. We I, greatly appreciate it. Thank you. I will say with the gym stuff too, like a lot of it is functional. Like I want to get them back, like the squatting, the hinging, the farmers made carry, what does it look like to push and pull? And it's a lot of it with the pelvic pain. Like, I, I don't know your guys' situation, but if you are dealing with any of the pelvic pain, it's really, it might be like a three second lower 
from a box, right? Or a single leg pistol squat and slow lowering back down. Anything where we can really take it and stretch that pelvic floor. So it's not always just the deep squat in case anybody's listening, just starts deep squatting all the time. Like you can really help yourself with more of the slow controlled movement, slow controlled squat, hold the squat for a little bit with a heavy weight and then come back up to, there's so many, so many techniques outside of what I think when I graduated in 2011, it was so much Kegel, Kegel, Kegel. And then we realized the Kegels were just threatening the pelvic floor. And that's not really what's needed all the time. We need to reverse the Kegel and really let it back down. So it's, it's been a, I don't know, it's been a fun, a fun little journey because it's constantly evolving. And I really love that about our profession too. Like you're constantly learning a little bit more because new evidence is coming out, but thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was our pleasure. Um, with that being said, before we let you go for anyone that's listening, and this is like their first time being exposed to you and coming into your world, what would be some social media or contact information that you want to leave with them? Yeah. Our Instagram handle is empower.your.pelvis. TikTok, empower your pelvis website, empoweryourpelvis.com. Um, we've got a lot of online programs and a lot of online fun things that are happening. We put out free information in our email listserv. So you can sign up on that on our website as well. And then join us every Wednesday on Instagram for wellness Wednesday, ask us anything, nothing is TMI. And I am very upfront about that because I don't want, when someone comes into the clinic, I want them laying it all out on the deck so we can figure out what's really going on with someone. Perfect. Perfect. To our lovely listeners, go work on your pelvic floor. <laughs> I think we've made that pretty clear this episode. Me and Paul are going to go work on our out. pelvic floors too. Stretch it out. <laughs> um, no, guys, but we appreciate you guys for rocking with us now going on two years, man, two years of OTC. So That's shout out to all our lovely subscribers and, and our listeners. We appreciate you guys. We do this for you. Um, with that being said, new year, but same Carl, and I'm going to tell you guys what I always tell you, which is go to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur podcast on Apple, scroll all the way down to the bottom, hit the five stars, leave us a review. You guys love to send us texts and messages, and it's like, I don't know why you guys don't just listen and leave the review. It helps us. It helps our ranking. It helps the show, but it's okay. We appreciate the love regardless, um, but with that being said, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Until next time, peace, many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.